Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Quiz Wizard Chuck Bailey and Super Producer Ian Stimson. Ian, let's check in on Posh Island. You guys are up in the championship. It's been a few game weeks, a few matches now. How's nope. it going? No, no. we're not- New, 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 new. Uh, uh, new. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lost six two to uh, oh, six. Sheffield United. Uh, six. six. Uh, what does that mean on the Chuck scale? It was uh, six of apology. Yeah. Was it actually six? It was six. Oh two, god, yeah. I th- I thought it was five. Oh, yeah. uh, I believe that means he has to write a letter to his uh, to the opposition manager's mother. Okay. Whilst also getting relegated. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's annoying because obviously at the start of the season, Sheffield United, you'd have gone, yeah, ex Premier League, they're gonna they're gonna tonk us. But they've done shit so far. They're they're lower in the league than we were at the start of this game, and we made them look so good. All right. Any uh, any good things going on? Anything you want to uh, you know? Maybe did you go see Shang Chi or anything like that? No, I haven't seen that yet. No, you have though. Is it good? Oh fuck yeah! Oh my god. Uh, I I have yet to fill out the spreadsheet and rank it appropriately in <laughs> of the, course, yeah. the pantheon of Marvel movies. I need to see it two more times before I'm allowed to give scores for myself and my own rules. Um, but it's way up there for origin movies, absolutely. Like, one of the better opening movies for any character in Marvel, full stop. It was really, really, really fucking good. I have decided that I want to go to the cinema a bit more often now. Like, now they've reopened, it was something I weirdly missed, even though I didn't do that often. And we've gone a couple of times. Like, during... The mini lockdown opening we had in the summer, me and Finley went to see Empire Strikes Back in the cinema. It was fucking brilliant. It was such a good time. So I just made a promise to myself that I'd go to the cinema a bit more often. So I think now Finley's old enough, we need to go see these Marvel films on release, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's been generally pretty empty at the theatres. So like it's it's pretty relaxing, mm. actually, when it's just like you and two other people spread out completely. But yeah. opening night for Shang-Chi, like we were in an IMAX theatre, so a giant, giant auditorium packed every single seat was full this was opening night so it's all like the mega nerds like me and i had genuinely forgotten like how cool it is to see stuff in a crowd anyway whatever uh chuck how about you how how are things going with you what just happened (laughs) i was getting involved in marvel chat chuck it was a good time (laughs) i haven't seen it since uh well i haven't seen i've seen it tomorrow i haven't seen it since yesterday what that that wouldn't make sense um i want to be edward i want (laughs) to I wanna, I wanna be Edward. I wanna, oh, I wanna, I wanna be Edward. Yeah. What? Three 0 Fuck off. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> well, Chuck is obviously very eager to get to the soccer this week, so let's go ahead and start moving in that general direction. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We are very happy to have you. We are the Miles Offside, and we are two Brits and one American, and we try to talk about the Premier League. But often, as you can already tell, get very off track. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we do like to kick things off around here with our very, very famous segment. <clears throat> rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening. Tottenham Hotspur's 63,000 seat stadium has won a major architecture prize. The stadium in North London, which hosted its first Premier League game in April 2019, is one of 54 winners of the 2021 Royal Institute of British Architects National Awards. Uh, It says the arena was praised as a tour de force in cheese room design. Sorry, stadium (laughs) design. 
I'd love to win a reward in cheese room design specifically. Do we think this is what kept Kane at Tottenham? Uh, they said, we will win some trophies, we promise. We've got this big architecture thing in the pipeline. It's going to happen. You need to stick around. You'll get that on your CV. This is what kept Kane there? It was the promise of silverware. Um, not the Tottenham <laughs> story I thought we were going to lead with, but never mind. Um, build up to that, I guess, lads. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice stadium. Cheese room or, or no cheese room, so... It's worse without the cheese room, but yeah. It is like it is really genuinely like a beautiful stadium. I will say, like the glass and the curves on it. She thick, boys. She dummy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm led to believe that the acoustics are absolutely amazing in it as well. That big stand just apparently brings all the sound down towards the pitch, which is what you want in a new stadium, not a big bowl. That's not what you want in a mm. new stadium. All right. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh... <laughs> Our next story this evening, the Premier League, EFL, and SPFL have confirmed their opposition to FIFA's plan for a World Cup every two years. Uh, There have since been other organizations to come out against it, including, I believe, South America. Um, They are the members of the European League and World League forums who have issued statements saying they firmly and unanimously oppose reducing the tournament gap from four to two years. Um, I did see the Olympics also came out against this. Mm -hmm. So basically everyone except FIFA thinks this is the worst fucking idea ever. Uh, what are your guys' takes on a World Cup every two years and how this is sort of playing out? Well, it's – I mean, you, you say about EFL, uh, Premier League, SFPL, um, it was also League A, La Liga, Serie A, the Russian Premier League, the Bundesliga, the Portuguese League, like 14 European leagues came together against it with statements. I think all six federations have come out against it. Um, it's only FIFA who want to make money and a load of players who don't play anymore uh, involved in hostage situation <laughs> videos where they say how good of a thing it would be. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? Peter Schmeichel sitting there just like, yeah, it would be really good. Meanwhile, there's I a am gun safe. Back. Like, I am safe. I am well. Look, if, you, if your one main revenue stream is once every four years, of course you want to make it more often. But... What happens then? So that becomes every two years. So what the Euros is every year in between that. So there's no summers off ever for these players with their ever increasing fucking um, fixture congestion and all this kind of gubbins. Absolutely ridiculous. Arsene Wenger needs to have a serious word with himself. Maybe get checked out at doctors because it's a fucking stupid idea and we should all just move on with our lives. Fair enough, Ian. Anything to add? Well, I was interested to see what you had to say about it, Oscar, because I feel like sometimes you're more of the thing of good football is good and want it all the time. Yeah, exactly. There's the key phrase is good football there. The World Cup is fun, but it is not good football. (laughs) Like, get the fuck out of here. Come on. There's so many arbitrary. Well, not arbitrary. I mean, it's for country reasons, but like the constraints on national teams mean that you get like an elite player playing with like some guy who is, you know, works on a farm sometimes like. You know, I'm not particularly a fan of international football. I mean, the World Cup is fun, but like, I'm all for club over country, 110%. Are you guys not? No, no, no. Genuinely, if, 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 you know, all those questions about bloody, bloody, blah, your team winning the Premier League or England winning the World Cup, whatever, it is my team every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. At this rate, they will be playing twice on Sunday with the fixture congestion too. If they try to include do two Literally World Cups, will. <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm interested to see that you. Yeah, obviously I'm a traditionalist. There's a shock. Uh, so I would like it to stay as four years. I think these things are, are nice to have, uh, not too often. But I just I did wonder whether you might go the other way. But I'm. I'm so it, it literally is just FIFA, isn't it, that want this? 
there's no, yeah. no yeah, one yeah, else. Yeah. Okay, sure. No, even uh, yeah. you know all the leagues. Even I think Zack Snyder released a statement on behalf of the Justice League <laughs> coming out against <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of fixture congestion, let's move on to the next story. Japan has pulled out of hosting the Club World Cup in December because of COVID-19 restrictions. FIFA said the Japanese Football Association told them on Thursday that it is no longer in a position to host the competition. The annual tournament features the champions of the different continents, with Chelsea qualifying as this year's Champions League winners. FIFA said details about an alternative host will be announced in due course. Is it too much to hope that FIFA will just cancel this one because the clubs don't need to be traveling and all that sort of stuff? Nope. Nope, they're going to do it in the Middle East for a fifth time um, because Tokyo can't. So, I mean, why not? You know, it's not like all of this is about money or anything with um, Qatar. And uh, it's, I guess it's a practice warm-up winter tournament for, for next year. So, um, yeah, just make the players go in the middle of December to the Middle East to play some games for reasons, for super friendlies. I'm very displeased that Chelsea are in this Um Generally, like, it shouldn't exist at all, but especially when Chelsea are in it, I don't think it should exist. <laughs> Funny that, yeah. Until they win it. Then he gets a shirt with a badge on the arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, oh my god. Speaking of the Asia Trophy badge, that came up on my Facebook timeline recently. I, I know I sent you guys the picture of this, but uh, <laughs> blast from the past. I was like, got my new Torres jersey. Got the wrong patches. This day, 10 years ago. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Torres playing for Chelsea with an Asia trophy on a badge on his I know, that's oh. a jersey, man. That is something. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Limited edition, one of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only one, arguably probably the only one in the world uh, with a Torres Chelsea jersey with Asia <laughs> Premier uh, Preseason Cup trophy <laughs> patches. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's just move on then to the next story. Um, let's get serious for a minute because we do sometimes. Uh, I don't really think want to comment on this one particularly, but Sir Dr. Marcus Rashford did publish a piece in The Spectator. We can link to it on our Twitter. It is strongly recommended. The title is Why I Don't Stick to Football. Um, and I did want to just read a tiny excerpt of it um, to sort of put that information out there because uh, I barely came across this article. So even a lot of very online soccer people might not come across it. Um, so yeah, he said... Uh, Among other things, ultimately, success comes down to communication, and this is where we have been falling short. Anyone who has followed my child food poverty task force will know that we have tried to increase uptake of the government's Healthy Start scheme, which benefits low-income pregnant women and children under four. An extra 62,000 people in England are now using this scheme, but 40% of those eligible 216,000 families are still not registered. These parents will likely be found in communities just like mine. No internet, no high street, just word of mouth. Um, So if you are out and about in England, especially for our listeners posted there, and you can help spread the word to someone who, you know, you might know of someone in a community like that, no internet, no high street, word of mouth, like um, Sir Dr. Marcus Rashford is mentioning, then please do help spread that word. It is an unbelievably important issue. Uh, He is very correct in that he should not be sticking to sports here. Um, and if he has that platform to help people, then very important that those people get food because nobody thinks that like kids should be going hungry. So shout out to Dr. Marcus. Excellent, excellent piece in The Spectator. And again, that title was Why I Don't Stick to Football. Extremely recommended that you read the whole thing. But we did just want to put that out there about the 40% of people eligible still not registered. So go ahead and help spread that word if you are in the UK. And we would greatly appreciate it. And the kids would greatly appreciate it. So... That's where I'm at on that. Uh, And then let's go to one final and obviously uh, upsetting story that is a running sort of segment on here. 
uh, and that is the racist issues in the game and bringing a light to them whenever they do come up. Uh, Rio Ferdinand um, recently was speaking to the government uh, on their draft of the online safety bill, um, and he says that football is sliding backwards and racism is being normalized because of the prevalence of racist abuse online. Um, Speaking to a joint parliamentary committee seeking possible improvements, Ferdinand said he had seen family members disintegrate after he was abused on social media. Self-esteem, your mental health is at risk. When those three players missed those penalties, the first thing I thought was, let's see what happens on social media. I expected the abuse to happen. Um, He's exactly right. This has been a thing that we've been talking about since before even the pandemic, but has sort of been brought to light more so as the Black Lives Matter movement took off here. And, um, you know, the kneeling and and more and more light has been shown on it. Uh, It's nice to see that they're doing a parliamentary committee. Um, seeking for improvements on this bill, but, you know, the state of the world is such that there's limited amounts of things that perhaps that might be able to affect. Um, But, yeah, I mean, any comment here, boys, on football sliding backwards? Um, Do you think that things are getting worse, or is it just that we're seeing more stories about it, or or kind of where are you at? It's hard to tell whether it is getting worse or more of a light is being shined on it. More people are being made aware and therefore exposing it a lot more. It's really hard to see, you know, it is still out there. It's, it's still very prevalent. You know, the, the, the Twitter or was it Instagram that came out to say about the, the abuse of the three, three players for the penalty shootout in the Euros, like most of it was England mm. anyway. Yeah. And so it's just, I think it's just kind of exposing herself. Hopefully it's more of like a, a kind of death thrash of a, you know, more of these idiots getting more vocal because they know it's like dying out or they're yeah. being exposed anywhere and, and people are being challenged more, you know, in, in what small way it can do to then progress us on. Sadly, it probably is never going to completely go away. These people are in all forms of life and it is people that on levels that aren't necessarily completely outwardly racist, but, you know, say some things between friends and those kind of things. And you're a bit like, no, please don't. Um, please don't say those kind of things. Not not just the fact that I don't want to hear them, but just you shouldn't be fucking saying that stuff anyway. Mm. Um, any sort of stereotypes, be that for racial um, or gender or, or sexual orientation or any of those reasons. It's, there's no, there's just no fucking reason for it. So maybe that's just me being a bit more hopeful and trying to be optimistic with it as someone who is not an experiencer of the situation as being a, a victim or a target of those kind of things. But that's that's just my kind of hopeful take on it at the minute that it's being exposed. Yeah. The one thing I will say is um, I feel like if you, if you take it from, I don't know, 20, even 30 years ago, whatever, to now, people who are quite rightly complaining about racism and calling it out are among the right people held up as heroes and like, you know, Remember when um, Southgate missed his penalty in the Euros? You know, he he had a a fucking nightmare in the media for a long time. Now, while these three black players missed their penalties and, yes, got social media abuse, racist abuse specifically, among the right people, they were immediately held up as, you know, young players who were doing, who, who did brilliantly for their country. We got to the final. You know, it felt like there was a groundswell of support that wouldn't have been there in the 80s, the 90s. Just wouldn't have happened at all. So I think 
and it is a tiny shard of light, I think, but is that players who call this stuff out now among the right people are held up as, look at these guys doing the right thing, you know, and look at these guys on the other side doing completely the wrong thing. Whereas in the 80s and 90s, I feel like it would have been a, ah, it's all part of the game, you just got to get on with it. And I feel like that, this it's all part of the game, you got to get on with it mentality is going away now. You, you know, the, the acceptance of, oh, no, we need to listen to, you know, what these guys have been putting up with all their lives and is now amplified through social media and being famous. Um, I feel like that's that's an improvement. And while there's still awful things happening, as Chuck says, we're probably never going to get, all, you know, we're never going to get to zero COVID, zero racism. But um, it does slightly warm my heart that at least we're, you know, the, the people calling this out now are seen as doing a good thing rather than just, you should crack on with your job, mate. Yeah, that's definitely something that even on like the, I don't know, my side of it, the brown people side of it, it does feel different. Mm. Um, it was very, very, very lonely for the majority of my life. And now it's still kind of lonely, but at least I know that like some people wish that things were better. And like just even that thought is enough to sort of hang on to. Um, but I do also think that his point about how it affects the people around them is really important and something that doesn't get talked about enough. Obviously, it's going to affect the person that's getting the racial abuse. Um, but like, so for example, he said, I have to sit there with my kids and explain what the monkey emoji means in that context. Yeah. So like, that is a that is even more, I think, upsetting. No, not more upsetting. I don't know. It's just such a fucked it's situation fucking in general. Yeah, but, it's fucking yeah. awful to hear that. It really but, is. But yeah. I think that's something that does definitely go uncommented on. Um, and that's the effect that it has on their families and the people that like love them. Yeah. Um, and I, even in my own life, I see that with like when racist shit happens to me and then I tell Emily about it, even if it's like I'm not looking for anything other than like I just want to vent. I see how much it upsets her. And like that almost make it adds a layer of like sadness to me when I get shit. And I'm not getting it from thousands and thousands of people in a very public sort of light. So I, I you have to think it's it's unbelievably difficult for their families Mm. Um, and as you guys say, hopefully it's something that like the more it's out in the open, the more people are talking about it, the more we bring it up every couple of weeks, the more the people that otherwise would have perhaps been afraid to say, Hey man, don't do that shit for being called like hysterical or dramatic or being, you know, whatever. I think now do feel that ability to sort of say, Hey, you should not fucking do that. And we're going to do the opposite thing really, really loud. Um, and that's, that is definitely a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. So anyway, uh, let's move on from the racism and the social stuff and the news to some very fucking exciting soccer. <laughs> Chuck, you've been vibrating in your seat for the last 26 minutes and 18 seconds I as wanna, of recording. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. Oh, it was a good day. Let's just the introduce the scoreline for the peoples. <laughs> kicking things off. If you haven't heard. Yeah, in case you haven't heard, Saturday uh, the early kickoff, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 4.30 a.m. West Coast Time, uh, 12.30 <laughs> London Time. It is Crystal Palace 3, Tottenham 0, Crystal Palace 2.9 to Tottenham 0.1. Chuck, I believe Ooh. that is what we call a what? I believe we call that a dicking. <laughs> a dicking! <laughs> Come on, talk to us. This is to be like the fucking best thing that's happened to Palace in years, right? Like, this is a huge, huge win, a statement, big team, et cetera, et cetera. Like, fucking give me, give me everything. Go for a rant here. Like, I want to hear it. Immediately after that window you've just had as well. 
after the transfer window, yeah, it, it's hard not to get overexcited about that, and also feel a bit vindicate, vindicated when for how I've been portraying this team and what we can do and those kind of bits. And you know, granted, there's a bit of not uh, Discord is a bit wrong, but but you know, there's a lot going on with Tottenham, the Argentinian players, injuries, those kind of bits, but. At no point in that game did they get a foothold whatsoever. And that's just so alien to me. You know, Nuno said, oh, in the first half, like, we controlled the game. Like, you fucking didn't, mate. You had 40% possession and you had one shot. Um, Even before um, the red card for Tanganga um, for his second yellow, like, we we were still controlling the game. And, And when that happened, I was a bit like, okay, let's see what happens from here. I've always said we never do well against 10 men, um, those kind of things. Obviously, we get the penalty, um, which I think Ben Davis is far enough away from Conor Gallagher that it is. Um, maybe if he was if he was a bit closer, they might have said that's, you know, it's a bit too close incidental contact to the hand, but he's got his arm completely out at yeah. a 90 degree angle by his side. No, and he moves towards it too. He moved towards the ball with his arm. Like that was a clear, clear uh, pen. I thought at least that was yeah, my but view I, on it. If he's, it's hard to explain, but like I don't think he moved his arm out to the ball. I think his arm was out as he was moving anyway. If you see what I mean, so I don't. Yeah, think yeah, there yeah. Was yeah. Like I, a, I do see what you mean. Yeah, but they're like that's a pen ten times out of ten. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, seeing Zaha step up to take it, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, could hardly watch, and it's not the greatest penalty in the world, probably. But you know, Larice went the wrong way, and that's that's all that matters. And so then it's what happens next that is just so alien to me because if that was um, the ghost of Christmas past, we would have sat back, we probably would have made a defensive substitution and we would have looked to see out a 1-0 and probably ceded a bit more possession to the Tottenham side. But we just didn't do that. You know, we we bring off Benteke for Edward on his debut Less than 30 seconds with his second touch of the game scores after, you know, Spurs' defence had just capitulated and just left him on his own um, to take that touch and then off balance, you know, get the shot away, which was fantastic. He obviously goes on and celebrates. Then, you know, the next substitution is, right, Michael Elise has been injured for a bit. Let's bring him on. Um, we, we had uh, Milivojevic on earlier as well, which is great to see him back as well. Fantastic. And then Milivojevic plays this wicked crossfield pass. Elise um, picks it up, runs very, very well, almost dummies a pass into Gallagher, who then passes it into Edward, who again is just completely free. Hmm. And then it's 3-0. And it's it's just such a ruthless kind of we're not taking no shit approach to the game that I, I haven't seen in so fucking long. And it was, you know, Tottenham were top of the league before this. Three wins, three clean sheets. Um, you know, albeit they hadn't looked necessarily like they'd blown any team away. But just absolutely amazing. Like, I was so proud in that moment and seeing what I was seeing and thinking like, yes, this is what the project was. This is what we're aiming for. Exactly the type of football we want to see. Just fucking going at it and taking it to a bigger team like... Yes, please. Thank you, please. Can I have some more, please? When when was the last time you remember feeling this big or this high off a 
palace like like when they big fucking team you guys took it to them it wasn't a shithouse win you fucking spanked them like it's a new squad your new signing literally scored on his second touch like there's so many angles Mm. here when was the last time you were this up for palace do you think like we've beaten big teams in the past like you know last season we beat United at Old Trafford I think I think we've done it twice in a row now I'm not sure but we got a win against Old Trafford you know We've had wins against Chelsea. We've had wins against City. We've had wins against Tottenham in the past, Arsenal. You know, all all the big teams, we've we've done that. But as far as I can remember, it always felt like, obviously, euphoric because you've won, but it also kind of felt like a bit of a smash and grab, Mm -hmm, always. mm -hmm. Whereas this just felt like a, just steamrolled them. Like an actual, like, fully deserved in every single area of the pitch dominated that team like Harry Kane for the first time in his career had no shots and no touches in the opposition box yeah. which was <laughs> you know the next the the only teams he's come close to that against have been like Man City twice I think Chelsea once um I, I can't remember who else regardless but just just unbelievable absolutely unbelievable I don't don't have the words five we we ended the pit on, on the pitch with five brand new signings as well which is which is amazing, and still beating Tottenham three fucking nil, and like keeping them to point one fucking xG, us being close to three, whatever model you look on, like it, it's unbelievable to see. I'm really glad that that Vieira is is getting the chance and being backed and being put into this situation because if this is what we're gonna get, like I'm locked and loaded and ready to fucking go for the rest of the year. Like unbelievable. Yeah, it it was like really truly a fucking smackdown. Like you mentioned, 0.1 xG for Tottenham, two shots total. And yes, part of that was against 10 men, but this was one of those cases where that red card was out of frustration because he was getting fucking skinned over and mm. over and over again. Like he he yep. had been getting increasingly frustrated as he was getting outplayed over and over and over again by Zaha and by other players, and then like he should have had a red card in the first place. He flew stiff arm straight to Zaha's face, knocked him down. That little fight, I think probably both of them could have had a red card. You know, both of them had hands on each other's faces. But the way Tanganga flew in, that was clearly like, I'm fucking sick of this guy getting behind me. I'm going to lay him the fuck out right now. And like, Yeah, I think there was you know. part of that. And then also Lucas Moura was down at the other end of the mm. pitch. But there was a lot of uh, Tottenham rolling around on the floor, potentially. Um, I don't know for sure. So, you know, maybe our players have just got sick of kicking the ball out for them when it was clearly time-wasting when you're dominating. So I think in that interaction, I think both players are probably lucky that they didn't get a red card. Because especially when Tanganga went twice, you know, you had the original kind of stiff arm to knock him down, then knocked him down again. And then that's when it kind of went throat, faces, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But if if that doesn't happen, he probably doesn't get a yellow card again for the RU challenge. It's a... Yeah, of, uh, he, he had three yellow cards between the two fouls, let's say. Yeah. In, in the referee's head, he might have been on an orange for the first thing. Exactly. So it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. But, that's, but that's how it happens because as well, like you can't necessarily referee the events in isolation and review them. Like you have to take that yeah, into absolutely. account because the whole, the whole point, you know, a referee sending a player off isn't to give the other team an advantage. It's effectively, it's to prevent them from hurting someone. Is basically what, what no, it's and, about. And so, like Tanganga looked out of control. 
He did. He just he'd lost his head completely, which is strange considering how great of a start to the season he's been. Like, yeah, he's been dominant. He's been imperious. Like, he absolutely pocketed Sterling and Grealish on his own at right back um, in the first game of the season. Like, he's been amazing. Well, this was it. It, it shocked. It shocked Tottenham, I think, completely. Um, and it shocked Tanganga as well. I mean, exactly what you mm. say there is right, that you don't referee in isolation. That's why you can get a yellow for persistent fouling. So, right. you know, that's it's it's all part of it. You've got The referee's got to be able to use judgment. And I think a lot of people were surprised when it was just two yellows from the initial incident. But it was probably the right thing to try and keep the game going. No one was hurt. Let's just try and sort of, like, calm it down. But then clearly he couldn't keep a lid on it. So I think it was the right decision to second yellow and off he goes. Um, but that was the thing. I mean, it was it was the fact that Palace just did not think to themselves, this is Spurs, this is top of the league. It was like, oh, we've got a new young squad. We've got a new manager. We're going to go at this team. There's no reason to be scared of them whatsoever. And I think that shocked Spurs all over the field, to be honest. I don't think yeah. there was any any player, or any Spurs player who didn't think, what the fuck's happening? This is not what we thought would happen to a, a visit to Selhurst Park. It it's, doesn't usually go like this, you know? No, and it was from minute zero to minute 90. The fucking dominance. You guys had 63% possession. Like, it wasn't even close at any point. It Like, from the beginning, it looked like this was going to be a Palace win, unless they Watforded themselves into a loss or a draw, which, you know, is something that you guys have seen in the past. Um... Kind of taking the pulling back a little bit and looking at the bigger picture of this, at least for me, coming into the season, and especially when we did our predictor leagues before the first game week, um, I had you guys at least in my head in the relegation zone. I don't know if I left you in the relegation zone in my predictor league or if I bumped you up to like 16th at some point, just to be nice. Um, and then with the window you had, I was like, okay, they're still like down there. But if some of these pieces hit, you know, you collect enough young, talented people and some of them... Mm-hmm have the have the right like trajectory in their stats you're gonna do something and now it looks like not only do a bunch of them have the right trajectory but they're also building chemistry with each other and quickly and as is gonna come back i think that you guys like could finish solidly mid-table like around 10th i mean last season tottenham were the 10th best team by the underlying numbers i don't know where they actually finished on the table but i know they were 10th on xg or um expected points or whatever but I could see you guys being around that area. Like, I don't think you're quite Europa League, and I don't think that that's harsh either. Um, but like, you're definitely you've you've moved up a tier in my estimation. Let's say. Oh, thanks. Just above shit. Um, <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it's not it's not always. You know, I still want to be measured in what I said. Like, it's not always going to be like this. Um, of course, because sometimes like it, it can be a live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. That can just be accepted, but. It goes back to what I said at the very beginning of the season that like we need to survive this season. We need to stay up to keep building what we're building. Now, the methodology behind that for me isn't a just try to hold on to be able to stay up because that's just fucking insufferable and, mm-hmm. and to not deserve to be there is ridiculous. But like if you go for it, if if you, we see this kind of football, if we're going to attack, if we're going to make good substitutions, if we're going to make substitutions, first of all, <laughs> if it's going to be at the top end of the pitch, if we're going to have a built squad that's going to go for this and then a few unlucky things happen and you drop down, you know, then if we survive, then it's great. And then you're, you're cooking and you, you're going and you're going further and further. So, you know, I still stand by if we have 10 points after 10 games, 
it's a fantastic result. With the start you've got, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it really would. Absolutely. And so I would never have expected, I wouldn't have expected a point against West Ham. I didn't expect any points against Tottenham. That's absolutely fantastic. We do have Liverpool next, which I don't expect anything from that as well, but who fucking knows? But this is this is me and Oscar saying this as well, and we're sort of not not prone to optimism, especially where Palace is. <laughs> yeah, but you're infected by me. Yeah, Ian, did you think that they were capable of this? And I'm asking Ian here because, again, we, we're like not the Palace people on the pod. Like, this caught me off guard. I didn't think they were capable of this at all, let alone like so comprehensively. I 100% agree with that. It was the, what what struck me was the quickness of passing and the options that were available were mm-hmm. was something you just don't see from a Palace team, or certainly maybe you know the, the elephant in the room is that Hod, the Hodgson thing of he didn't let them do that. But yeah, they, they always seem to have two options available for the pass, and it was it was quick and crisp passing that we have not seen from Palace before, and. From someone who is not in the in the palace bubble, I, I was surprised, and it was well, okay, like you say, these new transfers, if they're clicking so quick, this could be a season, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it was impressive. They gave me wolves vibes from like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Am I not like? Is that how you kind? Of, I was like, oh shit, they look dangerous going forward, and there's always somebody like it's not just one person up there. Like, they were really moving around. Yeah. It was Adama when Doherty was still there playing next to him. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like that to me. Yeah. I don't know. That's not, not even tactically or personnel-wise, just vibes, just in terms of the vibes. Um, on the on the flip side, I, I have seen some stuff about um, Nuno and Spurs, and I, I think I said last week about, you know, it, it could be one of those play styles where, like, you're happy with the turgid football if you get the results. Um, and I have seen some stuff from, particularly from Wolves fans, saying this is kind of what you can get from Nuno because they saw it that basically when Jimenez didn't perform, the team didn't perform, and it's whether he's going to have the same over reliance and the way they're built on Kane, which isn't a bad thing to happen. Obviously, there is a he's quite a good striker, yeah, um, but it's it can be a bit one track, whatever, and also obviously just um, as well. Um, odds on Edwards XG per ninety is eleven point two. So um, yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, a bit of a sample size issue there. I'm going to say maybe I don't know, what's it like twenty minutes nah. total. Nah. Six minutes is enough. Six minutes is enough. Thirty goals a game. Away we go. <laughs> FPL captain. Every okay, week. let's move on. It's fine. It's fine. Let's move on. I'll just say one thing on Spurs before we move on, and that this is one hundred percent to troll Spurs fans, but also one hundred percent true. I think they were better under Mourinho this time last season than they have been under Nuno so far. So enjoy that, Spurs fans. Um, oh, good lord! Let's keep going then on the Saturday. Bring back the dog mayor. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't even have that excuse anymore. Let's go to let's go to the surprise result of the weekend. I think, and that was uh, Arsenal twentieth place. Arsenal beaten Norwich City, <laughs> punching way above their weight. Arsenal won Norwich zero three point oh to zero point six on XG by FB refs numbers. I didn't watch that one. Um, what the fuck happened there? Arsenal putting up three XG and beating a team. What what is this? I don't understand. Arsenal attacked, 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 and Norwich did not many do good. <laughs> um, there were a few kind of goal mouth scrambles where there were like two, three shots in there. Um, obviously, the actual goal was a shot which yeah. came off the keeper and then hit the post and then came <laughs> back and hit Pepe, who then, with the back of his heel as he was falling, flicked it over 
to a Bamiyang, which was quite cool um, <laughs> for an absolute tap in there. So, look, let's not lie. He fucking needed this result. Mm-hmm. Like, however it was going to come, however it was going to come, however they were going to get it, it didn't matter if it was 1-0, 7-6, 8-0, it was, <laughs> like, they needed this. Um, so, good for them. Um, especially generating that much uh, XG as well, so it's you know it's not a, a Burnleying, as it were, but you know it it is Norwich. Yes. If you're going into this game and you're scared or you're wondering like what's going to happen or you know you need it, like you've got bigger problems. Like I don't know that this necessarily gives Arteta a stay of execution, as it were. No. Um, because, you know, they've got Burnley next. Uh, and then they've got Tottenham, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. Sunday, Mar- uh, the 26th. So, like, you know, they could burn. I mean, Burnley are Burnley. So who knows how they can Burnley. <laughs> Tottenham <laughs> will get a lot more up for that. They should have a few more players back. Obviously, I know Dyer got injured and bloody, bloody, blah. Um, and then they've got Brighton and Brighton are playing well. Um, it pains me to say. So... He needed this. He needed the points. They got a goal. They got a goal against Norwich, though. So it's... This is the thing. I think you're absolutely right to sort of meter it because the the successes were um, uh, Tommy Asu looked good. Um, Aubameyang was, like, really pushing forward. Like, he looked like he had been Mm. hurt by the sort of criticism from the previous few matches because he looked like he desperately wanted it. But... Exactly what you say there, Chuck. It is Norwich, and they made slow work of it for quite a long time. You know, but while Aubameyang was was driving forward a lot, they did make hard work of a team that a club like Arsenal should not be making hard work of. So it's light and shade. I think we're not out of the woods yet. It was a one nil against Norwich. You're absolutely right to point that out. But uh, there were some green shoots. So oh, Ian, Oscar's coming in. What were yeah, you, what I, I think you. There was one thing you said there exactly that I was like, yeah, that's the point right there. And it's a team that Arsenal should be getting results again because yes. if if I'm gonna play Arsenal apologist, which wow, I guess Adam P is like just really is living rent free in my head at this point. I'm just trying to be nice to him. <laughs> um, I think like. The first game week, losing to Brentford, crazy result, but Brentford's first game in the top flight in 60 years, the crowd is there, whatever, it's the first week, like you can kind of sort of excuse that, fine, crazy shit happens, but in the three matches since, they've played the two best teams in the world and gotten smacked down, and then played probably the worst team in the Prem and won, and put up a 3.0 XG scoreline, like yes... They only won 1-0, but they didn't make a meal of it if they put up 3XG. I didn't watch this, but you don't put up 3XG lightly. I like, Yeah, you see, I don't know about that. I feel like it, there was more of a meal of it made than it should be. That's, that's okay, all I'll I mean, say. I, Like I said, I didn't watch the match, so I'm just looking at the numbers, and, and I, I trust your yeah. word there, but I don't know. If they're a, if they're a mid-table club, which I'm sorry, I know that they don't realize they are, and I know that they wouldn't want to say that or admit that, but like <laughs> they are a mid-table club at this point, both in terms of their players and their budget and their results. They're doing yeah. what they're supposed to do. They beat a bottom-tier club, and they got smacked down by a, two elite clubs. Like that's kind of where I'm at on Arsenal, but also <laughs> this this shit, this shit, and it's great. <laughs> Ah. I mean, they are also underperforming their XG by four after four games as well. So that's good. That's enough about Arsenal then. Uh, let's go to, I don't know, I guess probably at least on paper, the biggest match of the weekend. Uh, and that was Leicester 
0 Manchester City 1 Leicester 0.8 to Manchester City's 2.8 uh so approximately a similar scoreline on the xg and the real score uh for Arsenal Norwich how much credit are we giving City for doing this to Leicester at Leicester uh versus I don't know not being that impressed because they're a better team than Leicester and so they should be winning more than 1-0 but they put up 2.8 xg like where are we at on City in regards to this result you probably have to be a little bit concerned just because Torres didn't really get in the game. Um, so I I don't know. I say, I say you have to be a little bit concerned. You look at the table and the, the, the teams at the top are Chelsea, Man United, Man City have dropped a couple of points, but they're still obviously well within touching distance. But... Um, yeah, I I didn't I wasn't convinced, shall we say, by City in this. I wasn't mm. convinced that they didn't need a striker. I wasn't convinced that everything had been uh solved by getting Grealish who um had a few had a few nice runs but um wasn't ultra creative. So, yeah, it was a bit of a nothing game for City. I was a bit a bit disappointed that Leicester didn't try and uh, fight back a little bit more if I'm honest. They did. They 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 came close a few times. Vardy had an offside um, goal true. disallowed. Yeah, a few others like they were gunning for it and looked. You know that's that that could easily have been the kind of XG game or the kind of game where mm. in the past, especially with City's history against Leicester. Maybe I mean I'm disappointed they didn't finish it off. That was all of it. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah, because yeah. that that probably literally misspoke. that could have yeah. finished two two three one Leicester. Like mm. as it as it was just there, like there was so, it was such fine margins. For, yeah, especially for their with counters. the offside shots ruled out. Like those were so close to onside, and if those like obviously they don't count towards the xG is what I'm saying. If they're an offside shot, so the point eight, yeah, yeah, that's true, is a little misleading, I guess. There or you know, yeah, definitely. But it's you know it's still city. Like um, I, I, I maybe I would like them to just have a striker, and maybe it's just because my you know basic bitch brain can't fathom. The way they play because I'm playing checkers and Pep Guardiola's playing 4D <laughs> chess naked chess. twister. Um, <laughs> but mate, you shouldn't put those ideas out in the public domain. We could seriously make money off. Them. Damn it! Shit! I'm coming for you, Mattel. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, you know, it's still kind of all all seems a bit too grouped and a bit congested. You know, they were really packing the box though, and and just getting a lot of shots away. That's probably why it's also the XG is so high. But yeah. You know, their XG over the season is 11.2 and they've scored 11 goals. So, you know, in the in the realms of variance and law of averages across the season, like you're going to have some above, you're going to have some below. But even with the small sample size, like that's still quite good if they're just performing to their numbers and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned shots and like that City had 25 shots to Leicester's six. So like that's thoroughly, thoroughly a lot more, um, which is where your XG is going to come from there. Uh, to me, at least, watching it, I, and I wasn't able to find real-time XG minute by minute. I wish I could. I was trying real hard to find it. Um, but in real time, I remember texting my friend that it was through like 60 minutes, and I said, man, it's really frustrating that City are very clearly in cruise control, and when there's like 20 minutes left in this match, they're going to shift up and just fucking win this game because like they're just the better team. And at least to me, like I said, I haven't found the real-time XG data. That's what it looked like. It was 0-0 relatively far into the game, right? I believe the goal was when? 62nd minute. So yeah, exactly one hour. Um, and, and then it just seemed like they just fucking were like, okay, we saved our energy because COVID ball and Pep told us to. And then at the hour mark, we're going to turn it up and then we can beat them in a half hour. We trust ourselves to be able to beat them in just a half hour. 
That was my read on the situation. Mm. It reminded me of old Mourinho, especially Mourinho at Inter, where he would just like defend for the first hour and then open it up and try to win that way. He used to do that at Real Madrid against Barcelona too. Obviously, different ways to defend because Man City just defended with possession. But I don't know. They still scare the shit out of me because it really seemed like they weren't even trying for an hour and then they just won and put up a ton of XG because they were just the better team, which isn't great, I think. (laughs) Fuck that. (laughs) But let's move to something that is great and happened on Saturday, and that was Chelsea 3, Villa 0. But I guess, (laughs) Mr. Simpson, I'm going to need you to cue the jingle here. Better than they ought to be. week. This is a Burnley of the Week that's mildly churlish, but also really the only game that went against the scoreline in any significant way, because it was Chelsea 1.1 to Villa 1.5. Was it? Chelsea getting beaten on XG by Villa is concerning, <laughs> uh, but Chelsea winning 3-0 when I care in a season where I only care about results is very much not. Um, the big story for me here was the rotated lineup. There was about five people in there that you wouldn't normally expect, or at least haven't really played together. Um, I thought that Callum on right wing back with Choloba next to him was just too inexperienced and too sort of fragile. I wanted to see Aspi in either of those positions, even if I want to see those guys getting minutes. But the big one was Saul. Saul made his debut. Um, big money signing. Uh, was not up to the speed of the Premier League. He just was no. not ready to be playing. And you saw that he got taken off at mm. halftime, which like when your big new signing gets taken off at halftime, that's not a good look. Um, but he got taken off for Jorginho. And then the second half never looked in doubt. Like that was 100%. We just like put him away in the second half. But that first half with Saul playing there was very, very shaky. That whole back right triangle, back, yeah, back right triangle of Saul on the right-sided central midfield, and then Callum and Chaloba next to each other was like, Villa was just getting all sorts of joy. And I think we were really lucky that Buendia wasn't playing, and I think we're even more lucky that Grealish is gone, because Grealish playing on that side against those three people, we would have been down 5-0 by halftime. Like, we got lucky with that one in the first half, but then, you know, you love to see your manager see something going wrong and make a halftime adjustment, because a lot of player, a lot of managers wouldn't. Um, and especially with a new signing, like you don't, that's like, you know, you got to worry about his confidence a little bit getting pulled at halftime in his debut, but I don't know. Good from Tuchel, uh, big Rom making his home debut, scoring two goals, living his childhood dreams out. Really, really love to see that. He tweeted afterwards. That was like, I've been dreaming about this since I was, I think he said 11. And you know, it it was really nice. He botched the celebration, which was great. He tried to do the knee slide. He got stuck. He was just overexcited. (laughs) Just delightful, delightful. I got to say, I was surprised he didn't do the Drogba celebration. I really thought he was going to. I said that to Emily before the match. Um, You know, Drogba kind of like pointing his hands out all kind of, I'm doing a physical motion that even they can't see because my arms are beneath my webcam. (laughs) But y'all know the Drogba celebration. Um... I don't know. I don't feel bad that we didn't beat him on XG. I think the first half was bad, but I still think we're the better team and we got the three points and three goals. I think it says a lot that, you know, Chelsea, with all their wealth of talent and winning 3-0, and your man of the match was probably Edouard Mendy. Yeah. Um, really yeah. kept you in it oh, for a so lot good. of the time. Made made eight, nine saves, I think. So Including a double save that was like, I don't know how he got to the second one. Just an amazing, amazing performance from him. Mm. Reigning UEFA Keeper of the Year, Edward Mendy. Thank you. Put some respect on his name. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I'll I forgive you. the title <laughs> next time. Um, but yeah, I, I think just Villa need a bit more time to click with the new setup. I mean, yeah, they've they've obviously also been affected by the Argentinian players. 
um, and obviously are in transition as well. So, you know, they've not necessarily been poor at the start of the season, but, you know, we, I think we were all quite high on them, weren't we? I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, we graded their transfer window and they were like an A plus or whatever. <laughs> we gave them a very high transfer yeah. window grade. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're in 12th at the minute. You know, possibly should be doing better than that, but they'll be fine. You know, these things take time. So, and Chelsea just had big rom banging in goals. Great for my fantasy team. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're I quite welcome. It. Great for us to finally, finally. Um, and this is not a knock on Timo Werner, for the record, who I still stand and would love to see get more minutes. But you know, in the line of like actual good strikers that we have, sometimes you got Drag, but you got Costa, and now it really does feel like Lukaku is here to be the next person in that succession. He only needs a chance to score. You'd like to think so for a hundred billion pounds. Yeah, well, you know, so Fernando Torres was fifty million, which at the time was like probably worth about that much. And Lukaku's twice as yeah. good. <laughs> that's true. I mean, uh, yeah, I know you don't want to slag off Werner, and that's absolutely fair. But when that ball went through uh, to Lukaku for the first goal, it it was never in doubt, was it, that that was going to be a goal? Like, I, as soon as that ball went through, I was like, here we go. Like, there was five seconds because he sort of went back on the defender. Yep. And there, but at no point did I question that that was going in the back of the net. And yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. I got a little know? concerned when he did the cutback. I was like, that wasn't no, a great see, I, cutback. I, I, I but wasn't. then he scored anyway. Yeah, I, I just I just felt like he he looked like he was so confident. The second that, and it was a brilliant ball, but the second that ball went in, it was just like... This is mm. 100% a goal. I'm very happy for Chuck's FPL team. Um, it was all very good. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it was interesting. <laughs> That's the real hero. Yeah, exactly. That's really what we're all interested in. Um, I think what was interesting was that Chelsea weren't, as you said, uh, clicking quite 100%. And to still win 3-0 is not something that Chelsea necessarily have done in the last six months or so. When they're not clicking, they've dropped the odd point. And here they weren't clicking, didn't generate more XG than the opponent and still won 3-0. And I think you might be looking at that that being the difference now. So that was, yeah, that was uh, good to see if you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah, that's definitely the the narrative that I've seen seeing coming from everywhere, especially after... I mean, it helps that it's Lukaku that scores the two goals. You know, I, th- I think if it's Havertz that scores the two goals today, then maybe it's not so much, but they just, everyone's just been saying, look, Chelsea identified a need. They weren't finishing last season. They were underperforming, um, especially for shots. Werner couldn't do anything. And like, who knows how his game's going to have to adapt and how he's going to deal with the minutes. Um, I've heard some people that think the time is probably going to be up for Werner. Yeah, Byron's going to come in in January. Bayern or Dortmund loan like a two-year loan and see you later because German Germans do love that kind of thing or the two-year loans becoming more common now because I don't really understand what his role is in a Tuchel system beyond you know th- this formation the way Tuchel sets up kind of in the the what would you say is Oscar the three four two one in its crudest yeah sense. that's a, that's the shorthand version for it yeah if that's his go-to for let's say 70% of of games then is Werner's probably not going to be happy with that kind of thing and they're probably not going to want to keep him. So, you know, it's a bit of a shame because he came incredibly highly rated. But, you know, this Chelsea team at the minute, it's fantastic. Happy for Kovacic mm. as well. The the ball to Lukaku was absolutely sensational. The vision for that, impeccable and gets 
his first goal at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, as well. and the vision from the uh, Villa defender to play in Kovacic for his goal was equally impressive. Just a Beautiful. wonderful through ball Beautiful. there. <laughs> Beautiful through ball. Um, I will say on, on the Timo thing, just quickly, that I I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting on Tuesday. Um, we saw a lot of rotation in this match, I think, with an eye on the Champions League. Uh, Timo scored over the international break for Germany. Um, and Tuchel was talking about him in the press and was like, yeah, well, no, we definitely see a role for him. Um, I think we're, we're excited to see him play with Lukaku. I think he can play in the, the two before the one in the three four two one, um, and would be fine as like a sort of wide forward cutting in. Um, I could very well see us playing like a Pulisic and Werner in that position as a counterbalance to the usual Havertz and Mount who are more sort of creative, I guess, in a certain sense, whereas Timo and Pulisic would just all be driving towards the box. It would be very much like a diamond-played, diamond-shaped attack. So I could see that coming out in games. I I trust Tuchel to manage the players and the rotation, uh, but it is a bummer that Timo has gotten like zero minutes. Um, but I, I think I think we'll see him on Tuesday. I think we're going to see a an interesting lineup on Tuesday, and we might see some surprises, but I think that obviously it's Tuchel and I trust it to go really well. Um, and I do think that's part of why we saw a weird lineup this weekend as well. So, shall we move on, boys? I'd completely missed that there was Champions League this week. So, yeah, yeah it's back. Interesting. Back, baby. The title defense starts. Um, but let's move on. Let's move on to we are recording on the Sunday. So, this is the last game. We don't know what happens in the Monday game. Uh, and that is Leeds. We, we know what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, <Selmers. laughs> it's fucking boring. Um, Leeds 0, Liverpool 3, Leeds. Uh, I don't have the FB ref XG yet because it hasn't been posted, so I'll go off understat here. Uh, Leeds 0.7 to Liverpool 4.4. The big story here, other than Liverpool just putting a real fucking dicking on Leeds, is the the leg break. The leg break is the story here for me, at least. Um, Did you guys see the incident? The the terrible leg break? Yes. Yes, it's... um, I I think it's... I mean, it's horrific, and and Harvey Elliott. We really hope that you you make a speedy recovery. Um, he's been he's had a fantastic start mm. um, to the season after he was on loan in the Championship last year. I think he was at Blackburn um, and did really really well. And he's started all all their games this season, I believe. So, you know, really really shame to see for for a young player. But then that also means potentially the recovery will be quicker and and, and more comprehensive. But yeah, it. Was a bad challenge, but a bad challenge in the way that like an accident could happen, as yeah. opposed to just an outright. Yeah, it, it wasn't malicious or anything knees, like that. If you see what I mean, it was just no. It was just his leg got trapped in the like hooked yeah. background, and it just it just snapped his left leg in half. Basically. <laughs> well, the, the one thing going in his favour, if we can say that, is that as you say, it wasn't a foot going over the ball into the sort of shin bone type thing. It was. Uh, it looks like it's lower down and will be more like the ankle. So while it might be a leg mm. break or whatever, it might be nearer the joint or whatever. So that that will go in his favour. It might not even be a season ender. The lower down it is, the 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 more likely you are to sort of recover mm. from it. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like the tibia snapped in half or anything like that, you know. Yeah. So if there is a positive, then let's let's sort of say that it was nearer the ankle and it was like you say more of a more of a bad accident yeah. than a sort of 
over the ball leg breaker. It's still the thing. right decision to send him off, though. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's completely yeah, right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've seen a lot of Twitter nonsense saying, "Oh, it wasn't it wasn't even a foul." It's like, no, come on, it, 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 you've got to give a red card in that situation. I think there's no there's nothing else you can do, but also it's not. The, the it's not the Leeds player being an utter moron or anything. It's it was more falling in the realm of one of those things, which sounds ridiculous, but there you go. You know, it's a, a young player's now got a tricky road back to recovery over this season, but hopefully we'll see see him before the end of the season. There were some real nice pictures, I will say, of some lad apparently um in a in a football game broke his arm and ended up in the bed next to him. Uh, in the hospital bed next to him, and he's giving him his shirt and all sorts. Of, like, oh, that's, uh, just awesome. a, that's nice. Yeah, just a, a nice thing because it seemed like this young lad had also uh, suffered in a football match as well. So that, that's that's lovely. But yeah, hopefully Harvey Elliott will not be out all season. Is the very ridiculously early things I'm hearing. But yeah, Ian, I'm really glad that you just said the words you just said. As the resident sort of northern boomer uh, <laughs> traditionalist of the podcast. <laughs> Um, Got my football. Yeah, should have gone in again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it was barely a tackle. Um, just one of them things. <laughs> but um, the discourse I've seen on Twitter, and I run in very specific, like unbelievably liberal circles, et cetera, et cetera, right? But like the discourse has more been like, why is our answer, oh, it's just one of those things. It's just a freak accident that happens as opposed to like, we should be getting rid of the tackles that even lead to a, well, maybe sometimes he'll break his leg, but it wasn't malicious like this. Right. Right. Like, like let's stop to ask the question of like, okay, fine. Maybe we gave this red card because of the outcome and that's a bit harsh. And like, it was an accident and shit just happens to like, wait, why are we even okay with it? Just being like, eh, one of them things, guess it was an accident. Like, shouldn't mm. can we I, can I change the question? games there? Yeah. Chuck, go in. Um, not to be too boomish about it, but that, that's quite a stupid discourse to take. Like, what should we be doing to say this happened? Like, it's people sprinting, like, running 20-plus miles an hour sometimes they get recorded at to chase for the ball. Like, these things are literal things that happen in, in the game. And it's it's always happened and not and not from a aggression or not from a um, malicious intent, a violent intent or anything, but just a, a, a coming together, a happening that that it's is experienced in every single form of sport. Like there there isn't a form of sport where you don't put yourself in some form of danger. You know, every Olympic sport you've seen you've seen people like get you know, fall, trip, uh, marathons that happen, um, BMX races, um, the Tour de France accidents happen, Formula One, um, rugby, American football yeah, every every kind of level that there is a form of accident because you're pushing yourself to the physical limit. And so I don't see how, unless you say, okay, you're not allowed to challenge another person for the ball, how you remove Well, from behind, I think, is the thing, right? Like, he's, he slid in from behind. Okay, and he got a red card for it. Sure. You yeah, can't, I guess. You can't there, put the physical red card barriers up to stop stupid pe- people doing something stupid that is reckless or careless, because, like, we're humans. It's what, why we're in the fucking state we're in in general. Like, the, the punishment is exactly there for for that reason, like... That's it. Yeah, fair Unfortunately, enough. Fair we enough. can't. We don't. We don't have minority report, and we can't have a pre-crime department that that stop these things from happening and and send them off. It's just whether but if we did, Mike Dean would be head of that, and I would enjoy. <laughs> I would very much like to watch that. But it's you know it. We've kind of seen that happen, like we said earlier with the Tanganga thing. That he got that yellow card because of what he saw was happening and, and where things were going to go. 
like that that someone was was dangerous and so you know if strike hasn't done anything there and it is a competitive game that he gets sent off it was the referee's decision on field it wasn't a var after the fact or whatever mm-hmm. and so that's good and that's kind of the the level to which you can happen that unfortunately and and I think these guys understand that it's part and parcel of the game that potentially you're going to get injured people you know it's yeah I'm with you on that honestly I was just raising the question um but yeah I think that's fair uh, I, maybe there's a little bit of something about like you shouldn't be allowed to slide from behind or something if we want to really, you really, you really. Aren't, you aren't, and you get but, sent off, and you get sent off. Yeah, but he got the red card, so like the so that already like is there. That incentive is there. So it's anyway. whether he uh, would have got the red card if he didn't break the leg. I I, I take what you mean. I'm not going to be you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do we want to talk about Liverpool's dominant attacking display here, or is it just down to the red card? No, it's not. I think I've jinxed Leeds. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie, because I thought they would be really good, and they're not really doing much. Um, they haven't won a game yet. Um, it's the first time in a top flight season they've ever gone winless in their first four games. Um, that's not just Premier League; that's ever. And yeah, they've just not clicked in in any way, shape, or form at the minute to to what we've been accustomed to. And and you start to wonder at what point do we think that there's not a recovery to the same levels from that because then they you know they have to overperform massively to get anywhere. Liverpool were were great um creating so many chances. They would have created a hell of a lot more if Mane and Salah actually did just oh pass to god. each other. I always thought that must be a bit of a myth, but my god, you watch this game and it was unbelievable how many times I, I thought the main offender was Mane, I must admit. Mane like today, were, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Today, his, yeah, exactly. His individual, oh his individual XG was two because right. he was just constantly shooting and like just. Yeah, never it was great passing. for my Fantrax team. Thank you, Mane. <laughs> All the shots, fantastic. Uh, it's crazy that they've built a fucking dynasty with two players in a front three who don't pass to each other. That's why. Like, that's that's why Firmino works. Like Firmino yeah. has to be there because he's yeah. the one that Mane's like, "I'll pass you," and Salah's like, "I'll pass you." So like, he has to be like the uh, what's the word? The yeah. arbiter. Yeah, he's the mediator here. He is the mediator. That's absolutely it. Like he has to be be there for it to happen. Jota's not that person. Okay, actually, good point. It, so what's with Jota, right? Because Firmino in this game, maybe because of the South American thing, but like for the most part, we've seen Jota picked above Firmino. How do you think that's going? Is that a game changer? I kind of thought that Liverpool were going to be just decidedly fourth. I'm a little more worried now because Jota is fitting in so well so quickly and he's so young and good. Um, are you guys more sort of hopeful or changing changing your projection of where Liverpool will finish given the Jota performances so far? Like, you know, you, you like Firmino is so vital, right? So like, can Jota do that well is the question, I think. I don't think that. Well, but like just something different, another threat, another way to change in and out and, and be a bit more fluid at the front. Um, my concern would be the depth now. Harvey Elliott was kind of the depth potentially for for that front area. Um, you know, the change today was Jota off for Oxlade-Chamberlain um, without Firmino there. So there's, you know, he's not a bad player, but like there's a significant dip there um, in terms yeah. of creativity. You know, if if Mane or Salah get a long injury, what happens there with their attack? How do they have to adapt their game? And so I suppose that's where the concerns from Liverpool fans for their transfer window comes from. Um, not bringing in 
more of those attacking reinforcements is kind of through freak accident coming coming to a head rather quickly um, at the minute this year. So, because I think Firmino would have been allowed, but he's got a knock. So it's not a Brazil thing yeah. because all the Brazilian, Mexican, well, Colombian players, I think Paraguay, they were cleared yeah. to play. Paraguay. It was just the Argentinians that weren't because I don't I don't know where they are. I don't. Are they I in jail? In Brazil, maybe we don't know. <laughs> I hope their families are aware of where they are. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I had Liverpool third. I had Liverpool third anyway in a predictor league. Um, Ian had them third. Oscar, you had them fourth. So I think Oscar, you are more prescient than the rest of us because, as I, as I said last episode, I think with the transfer windows that the other teams have had. Uh, I still have them fourth. I don't. I, I understand what you're saying about Jota, but I don't. Uh, I don't think this changes much, really. Um, I just, yeah, I just think that other teams have improved more. Um, this was a good display, but Leeds have struggled to start this season. They've had bad fixtures as well. Let's be honest. I mean, they, they, I think they have a run of decent fixtures soon, mm. and if they don't get some points from there, they'll be in real trouble. Um, but yeah, as for Liverpool, I think as well once you had the sending off and Leeds did not change the way they played they never did never they still went attacking and it's maybe to be admired but it left so much space left so much space for Liverpool to do whatever they wanted to so yeah I, I, I'm still inconclusive I think to be honest yeah I mean Leeds already had a negative expected goal difference per 90 going into this they were on negative 0.45 just barely above Tottenham uh, which doesn't bode well for them. Um, and then after this match, obviously that's going to significantly hurt their numbers because that because they got fucking destroyed on the XG scoreline. Um, and Understat, which has updated to include their numbers for this game, has them in 19th on expected points so far. And we are, we're four matches in, which isn't a ton, but that is starting to say some stuff. And 19th is stuff. Hey Oscar, where where are Palace when you sort by expected points? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth. Oh, wow! Nice. What did I say? You guys could finish top ten. Look yeah. at you. Who's there that? You are. Who's who's the team above us? I don't. I, I can't read. My screen's all smudgy. Cheesy. Yeah, it's us. We're overperforming our XG. So of course, I mean, I we've given out of four matches, we've given Chelsea Burnley of the week twice. So that does make sense that they're in the middle of the table. You're the new Burnley. Congratulations. Yeah, we're the, the we're the new Burnley. You know, when you get a striker who puts every chance away, he needs one shot, one chance, high XG over converter, like let's go, you know? Let's finish. Sort of person you want in your FPL team, isn't it, Chuck? This is it. All right. Well that's all the football then. Uh yeah. do we have uh other can, stuff? Can I do rapid fire shout outs for the other games? Can that be a thing? Sure. Um Ivan Tony nearly scoring from the halfway line. That would have been really good. Shame that Brighton <laughs> scored right at the end. Um Newcastle <laughs> scored a fantastic goal. Like, amazing. We are mentioning that game for a lot of reasons because we won't give it the fucking oxygen. But Newcastle cut apart the red shite with like two (laughs) vertical passes, (laughs) a beautiful ball. Mankio sprinting from his own half. What a run. Beautiful. And they nearly came close so many other times. Um, Good things. Steve Bruce, uh, good old tactics. Um, Mikel Antonio (laughs) is a very silly sausage. Um, getting himself yeah. a red card, but he's probably tired because he flew halfway around the world <laughs> to lose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> needs a rest. Um, and so obviously West Ham. His shoulders are heavy from carrying the entire West Ham squad too. I think. <laughs> yeah, they are. But what shoulders? What what mighty shoulders? What hefty, yeah. hefty heft? I mean, yeah, they're overperforming their xG by three point five after 
um, the first four games and they didn't score in this one. So um, good for Southampton to hold them off as well there. Um, uh, oh, Wolves, Wolves getting goals. That's nice and winning. And fuck Watford. Watford, who all oh, started really well, three goals against Villa. They haven't scored in the next three. Created nothing. Right. And we all know who all of you guys have in your predictions for who's going to get sacked first. They play Norwich and Newcastle next. They should win those. I don't think they will. <laughs> Cisco Munez out by the next international break. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, where, where can I put a bet down on that one? Because now with Arsenal getting a win, that sort of gives Arteta enough of a stay of execution. Oh, yeah. That one might come down to the wire, though. That'd be interesting. Um, that's it for the rest of the fixtures. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, so shall we move to the predictor league? league? What's going on next? Predictor league, league of predictions. We finally get yeah. to hear the song, you lucky motherfuckers. <laughs> At the start of the season, I asked you for your predictions where the Premier League teams will finish. So you gave them in 39 of you beautiful bastards. And I put them in some tables, worked it out. The standard deviation like a golf score to see where you rank. Yeah, predicted league. <laughs> so good to have it back. The jingle, I mean, don't care for the competition. Don't care for the admin. Um, <laughs> yes, 39 of you did enter, gave them. Thank you very much. Um, but let's go for who are the top scorers. Um, Andy. Andy of Sutton, of the Pempres hey. of Sutton, on 54 points in third. Joint with, um, I've got him here, just Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy the Reach. Um, <laughs> above that, Dave Matteo, um, big old stat man. Uh, from the land down under. And in first place, um, she came last last year, so I don't know how this bodes well when the table's upside down, is my better half, Gina. She wow. is currently first. Um, nice. Hey. Wow. She was very confused why I said that that's a bad thing at the moment. Um, and she does have, <laughs> because she based it on the table at that point. So I think she has Everton and Arsenal just above re- relegation, which might, oh, okay. you know, you never know. Right. Um, yeah. With Arsenal, that's in play. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But she put Chelsea winning the league, Oscar. So there you go. Um, nice. Where we are, Oscar, you and I are just outside that as well. You're on 56, I'm on 58. And Ian, Ian, scroll, yeah. scroll, <laughs> scroll. 23rd on 70 Ooh, points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you above your child? Yes, you're above your child. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> Thank fuck for that. Jesus. Thank <laughs> fuck for that. So we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, the lower score, the better, as we see what the distance is from your prediction to the actual games. But we've done that bit. I don't think mm. we have any other bits. I'll probably be corrected. But, gentlemen, shall we quiz? Oh, we should quiz. Oh, uh, oh shit! I don't have a toy with me. Um, no. You, it's a new one. It's your debut. What did you do on your debut? It's a debut quiz. It's a quiz about <laughs> debuts. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Is what it is. I'm doing it off the dome piece. Right, this Lovely. is a standard question and that was, answer. If, that was delightful. <laughs> Highlight of the episode right there. Easily. If so good. I, if I had oh. known that the Champions League was starting this week, then I would have done my Champions League one. But I think that's better served for next week. Um, it's a return of a classic for those of you who may know. You, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> so get yourselves a pen and paper, gentlemen, for the Premier League debut quiz. Um, my new favourite player 
the most beautiful man in the world, Odson Edward, scored with his second touch of the ball against Tottenham Hotspur this week. Topspur. But after how many seconds did he score? Ooh. How many seconds after coming on as a substitute? Closest closest wins? Closest it wins. was fucking quick. It oh. was quick. Question the two. Which play... And some of these are going to be a bit of a throwback, but I've tried to keep them as broad as possible that you might get them right. Who knows? Cheers. I'm only going to be good until they're not soccer related. So just keep doing soccer and Ian's <laughs> going to run away with this. Which player's 1994... Top Spurs debut goal was celebrated with an iconic dive celebration in tribute to him being labelled a diver and a cheat by England fans. Question three. This is something that I wasn't aware of until I, I researched this this very quiz. Many hours of research. Um, but there is an initiative in the Premier League called the Premier League Debut Initiative, which is in its sixth year and recognises homegrown under-21 players that make their debut in a season. In a Premier League season. I thought that was quite nice. With an award of that season's ball in a personalised and engraved case. But how many players were awarded this award last season? Was it... 54, 59, or 64 players? Good job I remember the answer because I didn't write it down. I just wrote the multiple choice. (laughs) (laughs) Classic sad men. Um, Of these 54 bollocks, nine, 64 players. (laughs) I'm just going to change my answer to the question. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Ian, which uh, had you chosen? Because I had 64 at first. I had 59. <laughs> oh, you would have gotten the point. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, right. Fucking uh, Which three <laughs> clubs are tied with the most of these players for last season with seven each? Three clubs had seven players in this homegrown under-21 award. Oh, blimey. Okay. Which three clubs? Question next one. Which player scored the most Premier League goals in their debut season for Sunderland in the 1999-2000 season. Shit. Did you guys know that James Milner made his fucking professional debut in debut in 2002? They said that on the broadcast today and I nearly shit myself. 2002. <laughs> he is old. It's really fucking old. Question the next. How many players have won the Golden Boot in their debut season for a club in the Premier League. Point for each name. While these guys work this out, um, plug for Patreon. Let's do that. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Miles Offside Pod. Um, you can get all sorts starting at just $2. You can join the Slack. All sorts of great chat, be it football, Formula One, food, or other. Um for $5 a month, I think, Ian, you can get bonus podcasts where me and Ian do yeah. our weekly FPL show. Oscar does some fantastic nerdy reviews. If you like the Shang-Chi chat from earlier, you'll love the rest. Um, then eventually... Oh, good call. I should do a Shang-Chi review. Yeah, do that. Wait, can you wait until I've seen it? Thanks. Uh, $8 <laughs> a month, you get Oscar's custom stats, which we might have been following along with some bets and had some very interesting results for you coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, then you can also be a producer, like producer Nate Whittam, producer Johnny Worthington, and producer Mark Daffin. And if you're mental and you want to give us a load of money, you can go the socket-to-me route and I'll buy you a year's supply of socks. A year's supply, a month's supply of socks. <laughs> 
Not giving that a run out for yeah, a while. Yeah, I like that it's still on the board, though. Right, you probably have written some names at least now and given an answer. So, uh, the next question. Which Spanish player's 2007-2008 season set a then Premier League record for the most prolific foreign player with 24 goals in 29 starts? And they've been mentioned today. Question next one. I think it's eight. Who scored the first of their 184 Premier League goals nine minutes into their debut against Swansea in 2011? And question the ninth. Who scored on their debut following their 2015 transfer that made them the world's most expensive teenage signing at the time? Um, my favourite player, Odson Edwards, scored with his second touch of the ball against Topspur this week. But after how many seconds? Now, Opta has this, which I figured would be the most reliable to go. Opta has it at 28 seconds. Oh! After oh. Yes, it, 28. Oh, um, wow. From the groan, I'm guessing Oscar Spot didn't on. get 28. Very nice. No, I said 36. Oh, 36, interestingly, was the old record that he broke to then be the fastest goal scorer on his debut. That uh, must be what I'm remembering, because I remember them saying 36 on the broadcast. And what's, yeah. what's so perfectly brilliant is the previous record was against Palace. This team is changing things. <laughs> <laughs> um, the player with the iconic dive celebration was Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah! yeah. Oh, Get well, in. That's the only Spurs player from the 90s that I know. That I know I know of, at least. Side note, when, when I was a, a child, I and this was in primary school, I scored a goal and tried to do the Klinsman celebration, but didn't sort of like slide down into it, just sort of like jumped and belly flopped onto the ground and winded myself. <laughs> in a way, I'm surprised I didn't crack a rib or something. I, the, the, Bad times. The puff was blown out of me for a long time. Wasn't wasn't good. Wasn't good. Never did. It's it like again. any child, any child that tries to knee slide like they do in the Premier League without realizing like it's a certain type of grass. It's a very watered pitch. Like you <laughs> yeah. can't just do it. You end up looking like Lukaku this week. You just oh no yeah. dive. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. See you later. <laughs> Um, right, question three. Uh, how many players? Yeah, 54. Um, <laughs> Ian, did you get that one? I didn't start with, but... Uh... Of course you did. Of course you fucking did. Fuck it. It's a point each. It's fine. It's all fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Three clubs. Three clubs had seven each. Um, these were Fulham, Leeds, and West Brom. Oh, dear. Oof. Fulham, Leeds, and West Brom. I had none of those because I just went for teams that I thought had decent academies. So I just went Palace, Chelsea, Southampton. No, not a clue. I Awful. said Chelsea, Burnley, Liverpool because I figure Burnley, like they only have British players. So homegrown is like exclusively well, what they do. I suppose but... in a way it's kind of because, you know, obviously Chelsea loan out all their players. So they are not Chelsea players, debuts, but yeah. they got the yeah. award based on the club they were at. So yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I suppose you could have had a caveat there, but fuck you. Um, <laughs> Kevin Phillips was yes! the answer for the 1999-2000 season. Um, a how player many... I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> you Sorry, leave him alone. He, his penalty took Palace to the Premier League. He's our <laughs> oldest goal scorer ever at 39 years, 39 years and some days. Um, <laughs> how many players have won the Golden Boot in their debut season? I said two. Two? Ian? I wrote three names down. You wrote, so I'm guessing your answer is three. 
Yes, yeah, sorry, yes. That's, right. that's the inference I was giving you. So, <laughs> the actual answer is six. Shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shit. So, is that point to Ian for being closer? Yeah, sure, why not? Or did it have to be exactly on? Yeah, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Um, the names, uh, Robin Van Persie, because, of course, uh. he moved to Man United and won the Golden Boot in the first season after winning it the previous season with Arsenal. Teddy Sheringham won it the first year of the Premier League, which was also his first year at Tottenham. You could have had Andy Cole, Dwight York, the aforementioned Kevin Phillips, or Mohamed Salah in his debut season okay. for Liverpool. I would like to put forward a motion that I get no points for that because I had three names written down and they were none of those six. So <laughs> I don't deserve a point. <laughs> Fair enough. I also deserve no points, but I didn't have to concede that. So <laughs> thank you, Ian. I no said worries. Shearer and Suarez for the record for my two guesses. Ah, uh, uh, Suarez, it was his about his fourth season, I think, with Liverpool, was which was also his last season. And Shearer won it in his third um, right. He was Knowledge. very, he was very, very close in his first two seasons. Um, yeah. Which Spanish players, two thousand seven, two thousand eight season set a then Premier League record for most prolific foreign player with twenty four goals in twenty nine starts. His armband says he was a red Torres. Yeah, there it is, Fernando. I'm pretty Torres. sure his armband says he won the Asia Cup trophy for the record. Yes, but... that is correct. Ian, did you get that one? I didn't. I didn't. I, I totally Ooh. blanked on that. When Ch- it's weird. When Chuck said we'd mentioned him, that made it worse. And I just he said Milner blanked. He said Milner. (laughs) (laughs) He put Milner. Um, The player that scored the first of their 184 Premier League goals, nine minutes, blah, 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 is Sergio Aguero. Ah, Came on as a substitute in about the 60th odd minute. (sighs) I had Van Persie. Oh, no. I thought the number... 2011 for Van Persie is so late. Is it late? I said Kane. I guess I was probably early by a couple of years on Kane. Yeah, Kane was out on loan until like 2014 i think 13, 14 15 was his first season at spurs when he was oh, a 4.5 yeah. okay. million forward in fpl yeah those were oh, the days house um, and the player who scored in their debut world's most expensive teenager at the time was anthony marshall yes oh. tony marshall oh, for like which is so funny now that you see like most expensive teenager and I think the transfer fee was like 38 million and now that just seems like, well, what a bargain. Well, it does, yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. yeah. So there we go, gents, <laughs> top up your scores. What did we get? Oscar, how many did you get right? I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the one you gave us, I got two. I got three, uh, I mean. With the one five. you gave us, I still got only three, so. <laughs> I'm on five. Yeah. Play the music. I mean, I don't know why I get so excited about playing that music. It's so tepid. I love that music. <laughs> Do we need to come up with a new winning theme for me? No, it just it, it says everything about you. I was going to say, I think it suits me perfectly. <laughs> it says everything about you. So I make that then 3-2 yeah. to Ian. You will have a Champions League special next week. So I'm giving well, you an will, opportunity to revise. <laughs> I'm giving you an opportunity to revise now. It will be about this season's UEFA competitions. So there we go. Um, Fixtures. Let's get into fixtures. Friday. Don't forget, set your games, your teams up for your your draft, your FPL. 6.30pm for Newcastle versus Leeds on your Friday night. Then your early fixture on Saturday is Wolves against Brentford. Your three o'clocks, Burnley Arsenal, Liverpool Palace, Man City Southampton, and Norwich Watford. 
Um, only really. I mean, it's a bit strange that Liverpool and City are in the three PM blackout for that one. Um, Norwich, Watford, <laughs> and Arsenal—that makes sense. Um, Aston Villa versus Everton is your late on Saturday, and then on Sunday you've got three games: Brighton, Leicester, West Ham, Man United, and Oscar. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. a tasty one. It's a tasty one. one. Popping yeah. off to the Top Spur Stadium for Chelsea. Um, you got to be looking forward to that, mate, haven't you? I predict violence. I predict violence and red cards <laughs> because it's always how it goes when we play Spurs. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, not to get over ahead of myself, but we're like 10 times better than them. So, you know, Ooh. that means it should be 10-0, obviously. That's how you, know that if you, lose, you know if you lose to Tottenham next week, then by lineal champions, like... We're better than you. Fair enough. That's true. That works. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is how that That's works. That's how it works. Um, Ian, who are Posh playing this weekend? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I think we've got Reading on Tuesday. Is that at the selectcarleasing.com stadium? <laughs> is that genuinely the name of somewhere? Yeah, that's genuinely the name of their stadium. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's extremely American is what it is, really. Well, and then we're at, and then we're at home to Birmingham on Saturday. So I don't know where points are coming from for a little while. Um yeah, um, until we play fucking Bristol City in October, I think we're going to struggle. So are you guys going to be the worst championship team ever? Like, are you going to set that record? Or? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't okay, worry about cool. that. All right, yeah. but you're getting relegated, right? Like, you're probably getting, you're going straight they've, back they've down. Got, they've got the previous record, Oscar. It's fine. For, for the record. Um, fuck off. <laughs> do they actually? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what's great, Oscar, is this is so much pain for him, but he could end it at any time by playing the music. He's just, he's he not, never he likes the pain. He's English. So we're just going to keep piling it on. Come oh, on, you guys are English. Not, you love to get berated. This is not pain for me, because I have confidence that we will stay. Still hasn't started playing music. I'm not going to play the music. He's not starting the music. <laughs> because Brilliant. I need to say that I still feel confident that Four we points. will. Fine. Read the standing orders. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. <laughs> Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. Thank you very much for listening, dear listeners. Um, we've been Mars Offside. Um, say goodbye, Oscar. Bye. Say goodbye, Ian Stimson. We'll finish nineteenth, <laughs> and then you'll get a points deduction, and something could happen. <laughs> Thanks, Nate Whitham, Johnny Wilkinson, Mark Daffin. I already gave you a shout earlier, but now you get another one. Speed. Bye. <laughs>